time for the after party. Welcome to the No Quarter Post Game Show on 94.3 The Game and 943thegame.com. Covering everything ECU and beyond. Yes, who's back? Here are your hosts for the No Quarter Postgame Show. Trent McGee and Pirate Football alum, Eric Graham. This is the No Quarter Postgame Show here on 94.3 The Game and 943thegame.com. We are the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. I'm Trent McGee, joined by former ECU All-Conference lineman Eric Graham, affectionately known as Big E. In these parts, Derek Alcorn behind the glass, Philip Pilkington, Ron Smith. They're in the back, and they will be handling our sound for today, our comments that we'll hear from with Coach Houston later in the show. ECU dropping a tough one this afternoon to Navy. 27-23 midshipmen are now 3-0 and in the American Conference. 3-2 and overall, ECU dropping to 1-3, and 1-2 and in the AAC. Navy now with a 7-1 lead. In this series all time, ECU's only win coming in Annapolis in 2011, 38-35. And it was a tough, tough loss. And we'll hear from Coach Houston a little bit later. You can hear it in his voice how emotional he was following today's game. Quick thanks to our Interbanks Media Pirate Partners, Transportation Impact, Ship Smarter, Spin Less, Grib Sea Restaurant, Fish Prime Raw, Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color, Affordable Services, Salon Perfect Style, and Moore's Old Time Barbecue. That's good eating right there. Big E, you know, it's one of those games where there are no moral victories. We all know that, but it's a game that ECU was in a position to win, had chances to win. They were down some key components today. Certainly at the quarterback spot with Holton Aylers, down three other starters as well. Darius Penix did not play. We can talk about that the entire show but I thought overall, despite the loss, I thought ECU played, all things considered, a pretty good football game. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, I don't believe there's anybody out here would have thought that game would have been that close. Um, and like you said, there's no such thing as a moral victory. But it does give us an opportunity to see that there is growth in a program and, and moving forward that we have something to build on. I mean, at the end of the day, you go back and look at the previous games against Navy and look at the scores, and they weren't even close. Like, so – I definitely feel good about it. Uh, definitely wish we would have won, um, but we're making progress. Well, you mentioned those scores, and last year's count was 42-10 Navy. The game before that, 66-31 in 2016. In 2015, Navy with a 45-21 win. It was a 56-28 victory for the uh, midshipmen in 2012. I mentioned that only win for ECU in this series, 38-35 back in 2011. The big 76-35 win in 2010 by the Middies, and the first overall matchup in this series was a 28-23 win, very close to today, uh, from Navy. So, again, ECU had every opportunity today to take this one home, unable to do so. In fact, when you look at the stats, Big E, I mean, it was tit for tat with ECU and Navy. I mean, with everything. I mean, everything down to turnovers, penalties. I mean, it was tit for tat. ECU only 20 less rushing yards overall than Navy, 268 to Navy's 288. Neither team passing the football well, and this stat blows my mind. I know it's Navy. I know they run the football for the duration of the game, but three of five passing for just 30 yards. (laughs) And I just don't think you'll see that for the remainder of the season for any team in the country. 30 yards, five attempts, and that was it. Now, they did lose Dalen Morris there 
uh, in the game. He went down to an injury, and um, Tiger uh, Gosney came in. But 30 yards passing, uh, it's just <laughs> something that you don't, especially this day and time with the offenses we're used to seeing now in right. college football, I don't know that you'll see that ever again. Unless you're at a middle school game. At a middle school game, yeah. That's yeah. about it, man. You're right, man. Now, I wish we could do that third quarter over. We put a score up in the third quarter. Uh, we're, we're sitting here celebrating, you know. So I, I wish uh, the third quarter we could have came out from the half and uh, got it right, you know, straight out of the locker room. But, you know, I, I can't be anything but excited about the growth that we've shown uh, to compete defensively like that. There's no way, no way if you go off of the past – games that you would ever think we would be right around the same amount of yards rushing no no not would at all have never thought that not at all and ec's defense played lights out they played perhaps their best game despite losing the entire season i thought the defense made tremendous strides from the first three games uh today xavier smith big game for the inside linebacker 15 total tackles for him today uh, rick debrayu had 10 tackles um, and, you know, the first half defensive effort was really, really good mm-hmm. for this football mm-hmm. team. You're right. That third quarter was a difference here. A Navy with a 14 nothing edge there in the third quarter. And then the Pirates, uh, they get back in it with that big 80-yard touchdown run from Raji Harris, and you thought, here we go, we have a chance. Then Navy converts a fourth and two, which was very, very close there late in the game. You, you can answer this for me. What's the, if you know it, what is the, uh, the rule on reviews on, on the spot? Can, can a coach – I think I felt like they could challenge that. Looked to be really close yeah. there on the spot. He, he got it by uh, by the length of a football. So it looked closer than what the, the actual chain marker showed it being. But uh, nevertheless, you know, it was just a game that was a, a, a tough a tough one to lose for ECU considering the situation they were in with Holton Aylers being out. Mm-hmm. We saw Mason Garcia get his first career start today. I think everyone was excited to see that and really curious as to what he would do, what he could do. And I, I don't think, if I'm being honest in my opinion, I, he showed glimpses of what he can be, but there were very few glimpses. I, he, he's clearly not ready yet right. to take the reins of this football team, and uh, that showed because ECU did not throw the football much. They ran the football a lot and ran it effectively – but Garcia, as we've heard over the course of the past, really the entire season and going back into preseason, that he's just not quite ready yet to read defenses, make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't really look guys off a lot today. Runs the football well, very similar to Holton in that regard, but just not ready yet. And, and, and his true freshman, being a true freshman, really showed from him today. You know, but it definitely could have been game plan too because I mean, you don't want to give Navy – uh, too much time. Like if if we would have, if the gap in time of possession could have been different, Navy very well could have scored more points. So that could have been game plan why we want to run the ball, and then it was working. So it's on one of those things. If there's anybody that calls in today saying that we don't run the ball or we don't run it well enough, I don't think they're watching the games. You know, so uh, it's definitely like I said. I can't. I I hate to keep saying it, but I probably said the rest of the show is that we're showing progress. At the end of the day, I mean, you sit there and look at some of the replays on the run plays, the blocking's there. We're getting to the second level blocking-wise. We're pulling and kicking out and turning up on linebackers and things of that nature by the offensive line. So, I mean, I, you got to give the offensive line some love today. Um, and, oh, man, I'm excited. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited. And I didn't think Mason was that big. I know you read it on paper and you see pictures, but that's a big guy. He looks the part. Yes. He yeah. looks the he part. He passed no the, about the that. look test, definitely. Has a big arm. Mm-hmm. Has a big arm. But – I think you would agree, no doubt, if ECU 
had had the services of Holton Ailish today, it's likely a different ball game. Granted, Navy deserves credit because they lost Dalen Morris. They lost their starting quarterback, too, and they made plays when they had mm-hmm. to. So they get the credit. They won the football game. But I do think it is a much different football game with Holton Ailers in there. It seemed like to me that uh, the receivers really didn't have that connection they have, especially, uh, you know, Blake Prohl, yeah. CJ yeah. on the outside, that they have with Ailers. Didn't seem to really have it today with Mason Garcia. And a lot of what we saw, I thought, from Garcia was expected. He's, he made some true freshman mistakes, right. threw in the coverage a few times. Um, I thought chose to tuck and run a little bit earlier than, than what he should have in some instances. But overall, he played like a true freshman. However, he did make some plays. I thought, man, this, you know, the future looks good mm-hmm. you know, at the quarterback mm-hmm. spot. But really impressed, too, with the ground game, obviously, with uh, an all-freshman backfield today with Keaton Mitchell, Raji Harris. I mean, Raji Harris is a load, man. 22 carries, 172 yards. I so, love it. I love it. You know, love that's, it. <laughs> we've been talking about that now for the past three or four seasons. Yeah, we haven't, had a, we haven't had a true say, hey, I'm going to give this guy the ball more than seven times a game. And that's the first time. I, I would love to go back and look to see when the last time a bat got 20-plus carries. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a while. 252-561-4263 is the phone number. If you want to chime in, let's go to the lines right now. And uh, Ricky is on the line from the capital city. Really, Ricky, how are you? <laughs> we understand. T. McGee, T. McGee, T. McGee. Here, here's why I'm partaking the floor today, okay? And just let me have the floor because I need the floor right now. Floor is yours. This goes out to Pirate Nation, okay? Let's back up to 2018, okay? I think Awards didn't play against A&T, right? I don't what think he did. A&T? No, he didn't. No, nah, he didn't. Nah, he didn't. So we, we, we kind of throw him in against Carolina. I think he, I don't know, he puts up two TDs, dances on him, right? 41-19, probably would have killed him if he'd have started and played the whole game. He'd probably been beat by 60. I think the next week he finally got his start, right? Because Mo finally wised up and said, oh, we got a ball player. So we put him in. Uh, wait, 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 let me go to my notes, okay? So first start of Holt Nailers, D1C. 29 of 53, 406 yards, TD. 30-yard touchdown pass. Reading defense is like a grown man. He's 18 years old, okay? <laughs> now, the reason I'm saying this, everybody thinks it's so easy to play D1 football. But when you got 1.4 seconds to throw it, how did Mr. Garcia find that out today? And this ain't the bash Garcia because Garcia is going to be the man one day, okay? He's going to be the man. He, I mean, he, look, he's 6'5", 238. He's going to be bigger than that in a couple years. Here's my point. For the next Pirate fan that says they're a Pirate fan that ever comes up to me and says, oh, Holton's not the guy. Holton's not the guy. Really? Holton's not the guy, huh? How'd that work out for us today? Because here's the deal. I've been watching us versus Navy forever, it seems like. By far the worst Navy team we've ever played, okay? Ask Ruffin McNeil. He'll tell you, that's the worst team we've ever played, okay? Aylers would have shred them. And can you imagine if Aylers would have had that kind of ground game? He's never had half that kind of ground game since he played the first game for the Pirates. Never. I mean, I'm going ballistic over here. i got to be outside because my wife's going to shoot me if I go in. <laughs> well, I, to, to your I point. I want you all to think about that. To, to, I mean, we're talking true freshmen played the entire game in the backfield, okay? True freshmen. I don't, I don't think we ever saw any other running back, right? We saw two true freshmen. Okay, I'll respond to it. we got 104. 104, guys. 104. How far do you have to go? you got to go back to Travis Hunter running the triple option 
to find 104 yards a game in a park. That was mid-80s, and we couldn't beat ourselves. To 104 your, yards with a four-star quarterback. To your point, Ricky, to your point, um, and, and I'll let you take the floor once again because you're animated, and I like oh, I it. And I won't big E to respond to. Okay. But listen, so I, I, I agree that that Holton Aylers, at this point, um, when he was a freshman, a true freshman, he was 18. It is is baby, baby is is uh, was more prepared to play the quarterback position than what Mason Garcia appeared to be today. I will say that. And, and listen, I'm, and I'm guilty. I'm guilty of questioning at times how good Holton Aylers can really be and if he's the guy. I, I'm, I'll be the first to say it. I, I, but uh, I will also say, too, that, as I just told Eric a second ago, it did not appear like today that Mason Garcia um, is, is ready to be that guy. Um, I think there were so many fans who, because of, of high, how, how highly touted he was coming in, um, wanted to give him a chance to see him play and see how good he could be because of everything they heard about him coming in. It clearly shows me, Ricky, that there is such a huge difference, and Biggie, you can chime in on this, from the high school level <laughs> to playing at the Division oh. One college football level. It's it, there, it, it is such look, a huge difference. E. Graham can tell you that. E. Graham can tell you that. And look. I'm just telling you this, okay? Somebody tell me if Kirby Smart offered Garcia out of high school. Kirby Smart offered him. No. Nobody in the SEC came after that kid. Nobody. And I'm not here to bash Garcia. Again, nobody came after that kid, okay? I don't think Nick Saban called him. But everybody wants to get on the Holton train and talk about, how, oh, Holton's not the guy. Who is the guy with 1.4 seconds to throw the football? And even when Garcia had time to throw it today, it just wasn't happening. It's, Here's my point. This game is not easy at the D1 level, okay? But your O-line, you got to have a steady O-line, and you have to have balance in this game, okay? You have to. That's the way it's got to work. We throw for 250, and another touchdown, we win the game, okay? Because we got our turn-up. Look, D plays lights out. If the defense plays out that the rest of the year, and Holton Edwards gets to play, we win every game. Yeah, and, and, and to that point, Blake Carroll deserves a lot of credit, and I know that ECU has been working on defending this triple option for a ready. long, long time. But to be a brand-new defensive coordinator in this system, I mean, it, with this program, although he's been around the block, I'm not saying Blake Carroll's brand-new. But well, to be Blake knows how to, he knows how to D up against that offense. He, he was ready. He, he had this defense ready to go. They made plays, and they gave the offense chances to score Every the football. Every chance in the world. Every chance in the world. I mean, you know Holton's watching that. Like, guys, come on. We, we should be 500 right now, okay? Easily. Easily 500 right now. Well, I know, Ricky. Again, this is not the fast Garcia. But my point is, if you ever come up to me and tell me Holton Davis is not the guy, you just need to quit looking at football because you don't know the game. Well, I, do I, think, game. I think you're going to have those fans that are going to say we need to switch and, you know, Mason coming in highly touted that he should be playing and, and all those things. And that's going to happen. But, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But you're you're absolutely right. With 1.4 seconds to throw the ball, you can't do but so much. And then you never and get I'm in the rhythm. justice on the 1.4. Okay? I, it, I, I agree so. with you on that. And it, But I, I also believe the, the, the offense as an entire unit has to get some type of uh, camaraderie going. But like you say, we had right. a lot of people switching in and out in the offensive line. And obviously we've known that the offensive line was going to be uh, something that everybody talked about coming up to this year. But – 
I'm not going to sit there and bash those guys, and I might be a little biased because I no. am an offensive lineman, but they are showing improvement. But we got to give them a chance to to show us a, a full game, multiple games with the same group, not a switching a quarterback, not switching a running back. So we got to get that best 11, which we're still trying to figure out. And then also I know we said that Ehlers right. seem to be a little bit more prepared than Mason comparing to their first starts and things of that nature. But I would say Garcia also went through a different type of camp this year as well compared to what the normal camp would be and preparing for, uh, for a game period. I mean, uh, I can go back to my first start. It was against West Virginia when they were number four. I was a deer in the headlights, you know, and – I understand the pressures that it could have been because we don't know the drop-off from Mason to the next guy. So he's right. like, it's, it's very well someone could have said, don't get hurt, don't do this, don't make too many mistakes to move yourself. All those things are pressures on an 18-, 19-year-old kid will affect some way of how you're playing. But like you said, and I, wholly, I totally agree with you on this, which the run game, if Houghton had that type of run game while he was playing – Houghton would probably put up more numbers because it would balance the game out a little bit more. And plus, Houghton should have that. He ha- he he's a he's earned a swag a little bit at quarterback to where I can throw the rock, I can sling the rock because he's proven that he can throw for 300, 400 yards before. So, I think moving forward, I hate that somebody is going to compare Mason to to Houghton, but Houghton's our guy until he graduates, and that's just what it is. Unless you know, and 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 I hope he stays healthy the whole time. But I do. Look forward to seeing Mason after the Houghton era is is graduated, and we'll see uh, two years, three years down the road, which everybody gets this year over, don't they? Uh, yeah. So right. doesn't count. We're going to be pretty solid. So give Mason well, all listen, the reps he can get. Let me, let me, Ricky. While while we have you on the phone, let let me read this because there's so much talk about a tweet that went out on social media earlier today regarding the positive test, COVID test, and and. and for those of you that may not uh, be aware, if, if you're not, you've been hiding under a rock if you're an ECU fan. But the reason Holton Ehlers did not start today was because of contact tracing, positive tests, whatever it may be, with COVID-19. COVID-19 is the cause of this. However, his brother tweeted this out today. Uh, it says, so Nick Saban can get three pos- can get three tests, COVID tests in a week. Holton only allowed to have one test after testing positive. His roommate's girlfriend, family, team were all negative, but they refused to get him a second test. Holton just went and got another test on his own since he is showing zero symptoms. Turns out he's negative. And just like Saban, it was an originally a false positive. So it turns out ECU down four starters because of a false test. Now Nick Saban is able to coach tonight and will coach tonight when number two Alabama plays number three Georgia. I don't know all the particulars in terms of who decides how many tests players can get compared to coaches, but that to me, if that is accurate, I don't know it to be certain, but everyone's talking about it. I don't know why anybody in the Ehlers family would would make this up. That to me is BS. If players can't get tested more than once, you know, because there could be a false positive, and maybe he yeah, will. I, I, I just don't know, but that just – I. I have a hard time understanding the concept behind that with Nick Saban and this situation uh, lawsuits. here. Lawsuits. Well, the, the NCAA <laughs> is monitoring this very closely. That would be a John Gilbert question, but the NCAA is monitoring this very closely. And I think the way I understood it on game day when I was watching this morning is that you know the timeline was different for Coach Saban as it was for Ailers, and and that that was my understanding. Uh, and I don't think everybody truly because look the rules change it seems like all the time uh but my understanding is it was a timeline thing versus Saban and and comparing 
uh, to any of our guys, much less Ava's. Did uh, I could be wrong on that, but that was my understanding. Wait, that's the case, even play. though why, why you still can't give him a second test? I mean, it would seem like to me that even if a guy does test positive on the, on the football team, that there should be a second test no matter what, it, it, because it could have been a false positive. I mean, why not give him a, a second or third test? It depends on when his first was, and did he have enough to get to two and three before game time? Because they play a night game, we played a noon game. That was my understanding. I could be wrong. Again, that's a John Gilbert question. But let me get the floor back, okay? Because this is what I kind of say early, okay? There's two things that happen. One, if my, and I don't understand this. Against UCF, Mike had two opportunities to review, two crucial times that he just didn't review it. Today, the kid's knee was down. He did not get that first down. We maybe win that game even with 104 yards passing. And I don't understand. And I love Mike. But, like, dude, it's right there in front of you. Like, you're just going to let that go? And my understanding is you can throw that he hadn't, he hadn't had a challenge or anything like that. So how did they not look at that? Because that was the crucial play in the game, and it decided the factor in our game. That needs to be talked about. Because it, I've even it was, got it was crucial. to me saying that it was not a first down. It was a crucial factor in the game. Uh, also a crucial factor in the game with the two bad snaps late when ECU had, had – uh, had the football driving. That pushed ECU back when I'm not saying they would have scored, but they certainly would have been put in a better position to get the football in the end zone. But, yeah, I was asking Eric about that when he came in, uh, if the coach can challenge that. I'm not up to speed on the exact rules on that, but it was a huge play in the game. Huge play in the game. I would love to know that. But, um, but I thought I thought he, his knee was down. Uh, so if you mark it there where his knee, knee was down, I thought it was first down Pirates. But yeah, I, here's the thing, and I, I want to say this, and I'll let everybody – I'm just telling you. If, if you press this kid, all right, Holton Naylor's could start anywhere in the country. And I think if you remember somebody by the name of Minshew, that everybody dogs the same way, uh, he played one year. He had a really good offensive line. He had balance on that team at Washington State. And I'm pretty sure he's a millionaire today. So let's remember that because Minshew was not as highly talented, right, as Ehlers, and he certainly wasn't as much as Garcia. So let's understand. I'm not going to go with you on four, on, on Ailers being able to start anywhere in the country. That's that's a bold that's a bold statement. But I I I, I mean, comparing him to Minshew, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I see what you're saying there, but you know, I, your point's well taken. I mean, listen, I and, and I told you, I've, I've been one to even uh, question his, um, you know, him at, at, at times. But but yeah, as as Eric said a little while ago, he is the guy right now and will be the guy barring any major injury uh, for the remainder of this year. Uh, and next year for sure. And, and, and Mason Garcia is going to have to really step up his game to push Holton at all. He's got to get past the first progression into the second and third, and it's just – And I think that will come. That will come. And, and even at that point, I mean, look, listen, and Holton's going to get better. So, I mean, again, right oh, no now – Right now with, – With that kind of run game <laughs> – Yeah. We would beat Tulsa with that kind of run game, okay? I mean, we would, we would beat Tulsa in two weeks with that kind of run game. Okay, Bar- you can call me back. If we have that kind of run game out of Rajah Harris, we win that game. Because Ailers is going to throw for three plus. We're going we're gonna to get two or three more touchdowns, and it's going to be lights out, and the defense is going to get more of a rest. Ricky, you've taken us to our first time out, and, and we appreciate the phone call. As always, you're animated. You're fired up. You make good points. We love it. We love you. Always listen. Call back. Thanks for the call. Got to get a timeout in. This is a no-quarter postgame show on 94.3 The Game.
Trent McGee, Eric Graham with you on the No Quarter Post Game Show. Derek Alcorn producing today's show. Philip Pilkington, Ron Smith uh, also in as well. Let's go right back to the phones. And we have CJ on the line. CJ, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, man. It was, uh, you know, unfortunate loss, but I'm still doing good. What uh, did you hear our first caller, CJ? I did not. I'm sorry. I was on the I was on the phone with the family members. I, I, I apologize. Well, he called in and um, he he very animated as he typically is. Ricky from Raleigh is always animated, but uh, he kind of gave. I don't know if he was giving me a hard time or just giving fans in general a hard time for for some saying that Holton Aylers. Um, or questioning Holton Aylers' ability to be the one to, to be the guy for this football team, and I think we determined finally after a, a lengthy conversation that Holton Aylers is is the guy. He's the leader of this oh. football team. He is a starting quarterback of this football team, and clearly EC will have a tough time if Holton Aylers is not able to play at oh, any absolutely. point in the season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. You know, I was I came on the post game show a few weeks ago and and was talking about how, you know, I didn't love Holton Taylor's ability to throw the football, and I'm still still a few question marks for me. But uh, after what I saw today, Mason Garcia just simply isn't ready. Uh, I think it, it would maybe would have been a different story if he could have came in during January or so. But uh, the fact he came in in August and you know he, he's that we've heard the coaching staff say we had to simplify the playbook. Uh, you know, plus you see super jittery out there and stuff. So he did. Uh, Holt Naylor is absolutely the guy for the rest of the season. If we, and if we would have had him today, I believe we would have we would have won the football game. I, I think so too. And again, I'm taking nothing away from Navy because they made plays when they had to. They converted uh, a couple of big fourth down plays. They adjusted well to having uh, lost Dalen Morris in the game and having to bring in Tiger Goslin to play. So a lot of credit to uh, to Ken Niamatololo. And Navy, but I think you're right. I think the football game. I think it's a different outcome. In fact, I think it's an ECU win. I'll just say it. If Holton Aylers plays, I think ECU wins the game today. Uh, and I think you're right too. I, Mason Mason Garcia not ready, but I thought Eric made a great point earlier. He's gone through a much different camp. You know, all true freshmen have gone through much different camps than what anyone has ever gone through before, really in our lifetime, mm-hmm. and you could say in the history of college football, but just, just with the way things have been and with how many things uh, have limited their ability to get in a full preseason camp and work with other guys and do this and do that and have to start and stop, it's just been very difficult. I do think some of that has played a factor in Mason Garcia's development, and I think it has played a factor in Holton Aylers' development for this season, although he is, I think, um, far and wide, much better at this point than what he was last year. I think it's affected the entire football team. I, I, I really do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at our uh, just our team as a whole. I mean, we're such a young team. Uh, you know, is, is the more training camp you can get, and the more you know spring practices and stuff like that, the better the product's going to be on the field. And uh, you know, considering all those factors, especially defensively, I was so impressed with the way our guys played today. Um, you know, as as most of the Pirate Nation is going to know out there, we've had a lot of troubles with, with Navy in the past. So, oh, yeah. uh, for us to come out there, and I mean, you know, you look offensively, we had, you know, four opportunities in the red zone to punch it in, and we couldn't. Uh, you, you, you punch even one of those in to score, you might be looking at a win today. So, it's just unfortunate, but uh, I think you're absolutely right. You know, and I go back to, uh, <laughs> I go back to Jake Verity's field goal, there, CJ, 
in the second quarter that was partially blocked. You know, if if that field goal is not partially blocked, know. you know, I'm not saying that's a. It, 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 I'm not saying ECU wins the game, but it, it makes things different. It, this was the kind of game, in my opinion, where every little thing that happened was going to make a difference in the game, and that would have made a difference in the games in terms of scoring. It just would have changed a little bit, I think, uh, what ECU would have had to have done there late in the game to potentially get another score up. Plus, they wouldn't have been in the situation after to score a touchdown. They could have maybe kicked a field goal to tie it up or take a lead. Who knows? But there were so many little things like that. The bad snaps, of course, the Raji Harris fumble. Um, but I hate to point the negatives out in the game because there were so many positives. And as Eric and I just talked about, the running game, and, and I thought the offensive line did give Garcia time today to throw the football. You know, he just, again, yeah. played like a true freshman back there. But the offensive line, as you said, they've made big strides, man. Big strides, big strides. I mean, I, I love what, they, what they've been able to – how they've been able to get better each week. So that, that's a good positive thing. You know, and, and going back to, you know, Mason's camp and, and the thing being different, we're still trying to get Houghton Naylor's all the way right. You know what I mean? We're sure. trying to get him all the way. So the the thing is, we're sitting here thinking like, oh, the kid, because of his how he was recruited, and you know, and 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 the SEC did recruit him late, uh, uh, coming out of high school. So he is talented enough to get the job done. But we were still probably in camp trying to give uh, Houghton more reps and as many reps as possible. Did I did I go off? Okay, as many reps as possible, uh, because he wasn't necessarily you know. The, the you know it wasn't like we had a Trevor Lawrence you know what I mean right. so we were still trying to get the starter all the way right as well as uh, getting reps with the other guys while dealing with COVID I mean so I mean back when I was coming through the biggest thing we dealt with was MRSA you know what I mean and, and heat strokes you know but it wasn't COVID where the whole entire country was uh, you know having to change the way they did things so moving forward I mean COVID is a uh, it's a terrible thing but it's also somewhat of a blessing that these guys get another year. Uh, to, of development, right. um, so Mason will be, have his turn, and he will be great when it's his turn. But right now, still Houghton Naylor's uh, through and true, and uh, I look forward to seeing us progress a little bit more. And CJ, I, I know that Pirate fans at some point will get tired of hearing us say, "Be patient." The program's making strides. Coach Houston's building this thing up the way he wants to. But listen, it, it's the truth. It's it's the reality of the situation. He is doing that. The program is making strides, game in, game out. And we're seeing a much improved football team, certainly from a season ago. So I, I think as, as a fan, you just have to be patient and understand it's still a very young football team. But, and I, and I made this point earlier uh, via social media, that if today's game didn't show you, I think uh, – what Coach Houston is trying to build and is building here, mm -hmm. then you watched a much different ball game from what I saw today. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he Mike Houston is the right guy. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, you look at everywhere he's been, he's won, and his brand of football works, and he knows what works. So we just got to give him, you know, give him time. I heard, you know, in the first after the first game against UCF, Blake Carroll said, and I couldn't believe this. Uh, 19 of the 25 players that started on defense or played defensively that game had played their first snaps of college football. Yeah. I mean, that's, wow. that's unheard of. It is. It is. So, and I think can, seven first-time starters for the Pirates this season that they've had. So it's been – I mean, it's, it's remarkable to see how many young guys have had to come in and play crucial snaps for the Pirates. Yeah, we're still a team that is um... – we can't afford to have the mistakes. We have to still play mistake-free football for us to get wins. I mean, if you go back to last week, not saying that, you know, the teams compare, but at the end of the day, I think we were like zero on turnovers and uh, 
you know, like we won all of those those details of the games, those stats that we really don't pay attention to, but really mean a lot. I mean, like those bad snaps and you know the fumble and the block kick. We we we're not ready for that yet. We're no. not that team where we're playing fourth quarter. Oh, they blocked the kick. Oh, whatever. We'll still get the ball back and score again. That's not us yet. And I think Coach Houston and the coaching staff. You know, a lot of people say Coach Houston's the right guy. No, the the coaching staff is the right coaching staff. You know what I mean? So it's not just him. Those those assistant coaches are doing. A lot of work, and they need some of the praise. I mean, we're going to beat them down when things don't go right. It is what it is, but they did not walk into a perfect situation. So the strides that they have shown that our program has made and the help that they've, you know, giving us to, to get to this point to where we're at and we're not done, but it's just you still have to be, you know, uh, positive as best we can as, and as much as we can. CJ, we appreciate the call, man. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for calling in, and uh, hopefully in two weeks we can uh, get back to our winning ways and – Maybe knock off, but I think it's a good Tulsa team. We haven't seen Tulsa play a lot this season because of the games they've had postponed. Of course, today's game with Cincinnati postponed. So the Pirates get a week off. You can get Holton healthy. You can get some of the guys who are banged up healthy, anybody with the contact tracing, COVID, whatever it is, get them back, get them going. So you get two weeks off before you face a good Tulsa team. That's going to be a tough road matchup for ECU. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the future's bright, and, uh, you know, I – even though we lost today, I saw a lot of positives, so I, I'm excited for the future. And go Pirates. CJ, true Pirate, man. Thanks so much for the phone call. We appreciate that. We'll take another time out here and come back. Uh, more to get to. Still, we're going to hear from Coach Houston coming up here in just a bit. We'll have a scoreboard update and more on the No Quarter Postgame Show here on 94.3 The Game. Two five two five six one four two six three. The phone number here on the No Quarter Post Game Show. EC Fallen's Navy today, twenty seven, twenty three, dropping the Pirates to one and three overall, one and two in the American Conference. Navy improving to three and zero in league play, which was a surprise. Uh, if I'm being honest with you, they haven't played uh, the toughest gauntlet yet in terms of conference teams, but they are three and zero. They found ways to win, um, and so that uh, hats off to what Navy has done up to this point in the season. Going back to some of the uh, stats for today's game, we mentioned how close these two teams were in terms of stats today. Total yards, 318 for Navy, 372 uh, for ECU. And when you look at the rushing stats for today's game, I can't recall a time if there was one in the past seven games these two teams have played where ECU has been within 20 yards rushing of Navy. 200. <laughs> and, 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 you know, 288 to 268, Navy on top. But ECU ran the football so well today. And the guy that um, I think we have to talk about, and rightfully so, is Raji Harris. He ran for a personal best 172 yards with a touchdown, 22 carries, a career-long 80 yards for a score there in the third quarter that got ECU back in the game. That was the longest run by a Pirate since James Summers had an 81-yard score against Navy in 2016. He's now rushed for 100 yards or more in consecutive games, marking the first time since Tay Cooper, that's a name I hadn't heard in a while, did so in 2013. Uh, and so he's, he's a guy that the USF game and now the Navy game is really coming into his own. And I like that one-two combo with Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell, also a true freshman, but a much different back, obviously, than Raji Harris, not quite as big. But uh, a lot more shifty in the backfield, has the speed to break away from guys. 
I think uh, one of the fastest guys, if not the fastest guy on that football team. So, Eric, that's a great combo right now in the backfield mm-hmm. with, with Harris and Mitchell. And the great thing is they're just freshmen. Yeah, and the next year they'll be freshmen again on the field. Right. So, yeah. I guess you know, you're right. <laughs> so, the, you know, that, that's really good, man. Uh, I Like we spoke earlier in the, during the break about the 20-plus carries in a game, I, I really cannot remember. I don't even know if it's happened in the last decade where a, a bat got the ball 20 times, unless it was James Summers playing quarterback and running the ball when he did. But um, – I, I'm, I'm glad we got a back that, you know, he gets the ball a lot, allows him to get into a groove, allows him to get into the flow of the game versus playing five, six backs in a game. So it's a, it's definitely a, a bright spot in our offense and hopefully to continue to, uh, to get better. And it's one thing to give a guy 20 carries in the game, but they gave it to him and he was picking up positive yards. I mean, we've seen games in the past where guys have gotten a lot of carries, but, I mean, may have had 35 40, 50 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, 172 on the ground. In fact, Patrick Johnson just making me aware of the stats, saying that Raji Harris breaking Chris Johnson's rushing record by a freshman today in a single game. So 172 yards on the ground today for true freshman Raji Harris. Mason Garcia, 15 carries for 63 yards. Now, Eric, I will say this about Holton Aylers and Mason Garcia, whoever it is at the quarterback spot, and I've said this now for the past few years. ECU, in my opinion – this is why I was so happy to see uh, a bounced round game today. There really wasn't a bounced offensive attack because it was more, obviously, on the ground than what it, what it was through the air. But ECU needs to find that balance because I've always said it's going to be – they're going to have a hard time winning, I think, in my opinion, if your quarterback is going to be your leading rusher and having to carry the ball 15, 20 times mm-hmm. a game, you're going to have a hard time winning that way. I right. think – and that's the difference that you're going to get with Holton Aylers, obviously, right now, than what you're going to get with Mason Garcia. We, we would see Holton – uh, likely put up bigger numbers through the air today than what we saw Garcia do. But, you know, if you're having to run your quarterback that many times, certainly in a game like this with, with the personnel they had, you're going to have a hard time winning a football game no matter how well you play. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it's – it's and, again, we can say that it had Holton played, would have been a different outcome. I believe that that wasn't the case. ECU still they, – look, they had a short – they had, I think, a 47-yard line was the average starting field position for the Pirates in the first half. So they did what Coach Houston wanted them to do in this game early was have a short field to work with. They did turn the football over there in the first half. Uh, they forced turnovers. Defense was playing great. So it was a game where ECU had every opportunity to get it done. It just came down, I think, to the personnel um, – you know, obviously not being as experienced enough to make big plays when it matters yeah. in, in, in the game. I, I thought um, that offensively, Mason Garcia could have been put in a couple of better situations throwing the football. I did question, as I think every fan does, and as I typically do, some of the play calling in the first half. Um, I thought, why? I, I just There were some plays I just didn't understand, um, you know, why they why they chose to go with that play, and that's why I'm here and I'm not there on the sideline. Um, you know, so I hate to do that, but I did it. However, I thought there were some adjustments made for the second half, and I thought that they had, to, if they were going to try to go through the air early in the second half, that they had to get the football out of Garcia's hands quickly in the second mm-hmm. half. Ended up not really doing that, and they kind of almost just abandoned the passing game there late. They just said, we're not going to throw just we're going to run it and see if we can beat you that way. Almost did. Almost did. You know, and, and give Coach Coach Kirkpatrick a break on a little bit with the, you know, if you sit there and say you're a supervisor at a job, you know what I mean, and you get a rookie coming in for this sure. first, you know, sure. working, it's going to change everything for you. So, it I is. mean, he's not going with a guy that he's known for the last two, three years. He's going with a guy that I know him in practice, 
but I don't know what he's like between the lines when it actually counts. Yeah. You know, so I, I can imagine he had to try to feel his way through to see how this kid is reacting, how his response when he comes from the field to when defense is on the field and they're over there talking and communicating. How is this kid reacting? So we, we're not over there on the sideline, like you said. We're not there, so we don't necessarily know how that's going, but obviously they get a different perspective, different viewpoint on what it is. And having a young kid in the game, and we're in a situation where we need to win as many games as we possibly can all the time. I mean, it's just what it is. We don't get mulligans. We just, you know, we just got to go to the next week. So I can imagine that affected some play calling. And obviously, you had to scale it back. And imagine when you're used to having all of these tools to do your job, such as a playbook, and now you have to cut it down to 25%. You know, it, it's, it, I, I reference this as being a mechanic. Everybody can be a mechanic if you have the right tools to a certain extent. But if you don't have the right tools, you can't do it. Yeah, you know, and you're not being able to use a wide open playbook is going to affect certain things. And we had to go through that first quarter and second quarter to figure it out. And you know, and I hate the third quarter, like we said earlier. But you know, some of the play calling, you, we're going to question it as fans and as people that don't know what's going on in house. Right, and, and plus, uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick had to do all of that midweek. It wasn't like right. he got, uh, you know, he didn't get a week's notice, which I know a couple of days may not have made that much of a difference. But I think in this situation with playing a Navy football team where there's so much focus on stopping that run and defending the triple option, you think, okay, at least we're going to go into it offensively. Um, with our starting quarterback, we just beat USF, you know, ran the football well, played well, and then you get the news that he can't play. That he can't play and that just changes everything if you're an offensive coordinator. So you're right uh, about that, no doubt about it, and uh, it did change things, and I think it had to limit the playbook that ECU has. They certainly couldn't open it up the way they normally would. Um, and just never seemed, I, you know, I thought, you know, Garcia needs a big play to happen in the game. He needs, he needs a, a big completion to get his confidence going. Exactly. He had, he had that big 23-yard run that got him going, but never really had the big pass. You know, he did throw a pass so late in the game that I thought C.J. Johnson should have caught uh, there to, right there at the end when they had to um, had no timeouts and they were trying to drive the length of the field, which was nearly impossible at that point with the way things had gone. But uh, C.J. just he dropped the pass. He did. But you know, Garcia, he underthrew some guys on some short dink passes here and there, and um, he had some, the juices were flowing, man. I mean, you could see the nerves in him. Mm-hmm. They were just going. And so his arm was live. It was hot. But it was so hot that he was overthrowing guys by a mile. I right. mean, he wasn't even close. <laughs> he said, let it ride. He was, he, was just, he was just dropping back and ripping it. Yeah. That's what he was doing. And he can rip it, man. He's yeah. got a big-time arm. He looks good throwing the football. I think he throws a good ball. But he's not as nearly as accurate yet as he needs to be. Um, there were a couple of uh, checkdowns that he could have made. There were a couple of times where he didn't pick up the blitz, I thought, there at the line. Um, could have saw it coming. Um, and I thought, you know, Navy was going to come after him. I think they and, they and they showed that in the first half. They were going to blitz him, you know, all afternoon to frustrate him, and they did. And so he just took off and ran. Um, but, you know, to his credit, again, he looks good running the football. He's got the size. He's got the tools. He just needs the time. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, he kept us in the game and all the way through. So, I mean, can't can't beat him up too much, you no, know. No. So, I mean, Mason, keep getting better, buddy. That's it. <laughs> we'll take another time out here. Come back when we do. We'll have a scoreboard update from Philip Pilkington. That and more plus, we'll hear from head coach Mike Houston and get his thoughts after today's 27-23 loss to Navy. Stay with us here on the No Quarter Post Game Show. The previous statement is now under review. After review, 
The statement stands. This radio station does have possession of the coverage and maintains possession throughout. This is the No Quarter Post Game Show with Trent McGee and Eric Graham on 94.3 The Game. Hello, everyone. I'm the ref, Philip Pilkington, here with your No Quarter scoreboard update. Last night in the American Athletic Conference, two games went final. SMU beat Tulane 37-34 in overtime, and BYU beat Houston 43-26. BYU outscored Houston 22 to nothing in the fourth quarter. There was also one other American Athletic Conference game today. Temple held off South Florida 39-37. And as far as ranked games go, number one Clemson beat Georgia Tech 73-7. Trevor Lawrence threw for over 400 yards and five touchdowns. Also, Miami beat Pittsburgh 31-19, and Auburn upset in Columbia, South Carolina, 30-22. Auburn drove late, but the defense of the Gamecocks held strong. Another ranked team that got upset in the SEC is Tennessee. They fell 34-7 by to Kentucky. And as far as live scores go right now, Duke leads NC State 17-7, and in the American, UCF leads temp, uh, Memphis 20-7. For the no-quarter no quarter scoreboard, I'm the ref, Philip. All right, thank you for that, Philip. Uh, some surprising scores there from the SEC. And, uh, of course, a big game coming up tonight, number two, Alabama, and number three, Georgia. I want to go back to one score he did mention, Eric. Clemson demolished. Georgia Tech and Demolish may be an understatement. Mm-hmm. Seventy-three to seven is one of those unheard of kinds of scores. Trevor Lawrence went off in that game. Huge first half. Uh, most of the damage was done there in the first half. Um, you telling me during the break that uh, you know maybe <laughs> seventy-three points. I, it, it's, can you score that many points? Can your team? By the way, I mean <laughs> we always introduce Eric as uh, former UCU All Conference uh, lineman Big E, but he's also a national championship head coach. <laughs> I mean, so, but to score 73 points, Eric, at any level of football, that's hard to do. Yeah, you're, you're not planning for that. There's, <laughs> oh. there's not a chance. There's a turnover that happened. There's a special team score. There's, you know, you're scoring in probably every phase of the game. And then here's the thing Clemson is good. They're probably very strong, three to four deep in some positions. So when you bring in that next guy, guess what he's trying to do? He's trying to move himself up to the depth chart, so he's going to go play ball. He's not going to have excuses and, and say, oh, I'm young, I ain't playing. No, that guy's trying to get in the box. No so. doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. It's a huge game for them uh, there in, uh, against Georgia Tech today. They right now uh, continue to look like the top team in the country, but some would argue that point and say it could be Alabama or it could be Georgia. What we do know right now for certain, uh, despite that Alabama-Georgia game not being played yet, that game's coming up tonight, those three teams appear to be the best three football teams in college football. Now, the Big Ten has yet to play any games, uh, and they still have ranked teams in the top ten, which is uh, mind-blowing to me. But it's probably true because, listen, there are some teams in the top 25 right now that shouldn't be in the top 25. Carolina? Oh. I, I, don't, I, I personally don't think Carolina is a top ten football team. No. They might be a top 25 team, but – be yeah, number yeah. five in the country? They should be 24-25. No. I don't think SMU <laughs> is a top 25 football team. They have squeaked out some lucky wins. We're lucky right. to beat Tulane last night. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They haven't played anyone yet. So there are a lot of teams I question right now. But, again, it's 2020. Things have been so 
different this year with how they've had to do things. They had to uh, adjust these rankings without the Big Ten even knowing if they were going to play college football. Now they know they're going to play, so they're now in. It's just been bizarre, but there are um, some questionable rankings, no doubt. We'll see if – look, I mean, Carolina's good. Uh, I know they're favored by eight over FSU tonight. I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I, I just think tonight, I think Florida State finds a way to keep the game close. They might not win it, but I think they find a way to keep this game close and potentially have Carolina on their heels late in this game. Well, let's just hope Duke beats State. How about that? <laughs> Duke's up right now with that game. <laughs> that's I think what I said. Said, yeah, that's what he Phillip said. Phillips said 17-7, so, uh, and a lot more football on the way this afternoon. Back to uh, our game today, ECU, losing to Navy 27-23. We have uh, – some audio from Coach Houston after the game, and I saw a lot of posts about this, how uh, emotional uh, Coach Houston looked and sounded. And I think this is one of those games, Eric, you know as a player that can take so much out of a head coach and even a player because you know with the current circumstances of having to play the way he did today, not being fully loaded. I mean, he didn't have, uh, he didn't have all of his bullets in the gun today. There's no question about that. But they still almost found a way to win. One thing he said after the game, that stood out to me was this team continues to fight no matter what. Right. And they played the entire four quarters, and they did that again today. That was a positive sign. So, But losing this way to a team that he knows they could have beat and maybe would likely have beaten, and beaten by a couple of scores if Ehlers plays today. I, I think they're probably with, with, uh, with Ehlers in. I, I think they're at least a touchdown better football team than Navy. Again, that sounds like I'm making excuses for them, but – this is not the Navy we've seen in the past either. It's definitely not. This is definitely not, not the Navy we, we, we're used to seeing. So this was ECU's best chance to get a win in this series against a Navy team that is not the Navy team we've seen beat ECU the way they've beaten them over the course of the past four or five seasons. So a lot taken out of him today, but he's going to have to rebound quickly, and he will as a head coach as well as players. Uh, and we'll go to some of that sound right now. And uh, let's go ahead, uh, Derek, and if we can, let's talk uh, cut two. Um, and this is Coach Houston today uh, describing uh, what was a tough week for his team with the COVID issues and everything else that he had going on with having to make changes and adjustments to get ready for Navy. It has, but I'll tell you, the kids, the way they handle themselves, I mean, you're sitting there on Tuesday at a team meeting and they come in and they pull, you know, 10 players out and you wonder, you know, how you're going to, you know, line up and practice. And, you're, and you know, I, mean, I was concerned about being able to play the game. The kids, they never flinch. They don't flinch all week. They had a great practice on Tuesday, had a great practice on Wednesday, great practice Thursday. And I'll tell you, they, they, they woke up this morning, they got to the facility, and they were confident we were going to win this football game. And that's what you have to have. I mean, you have to have guys, despite not having your leader uh, with you on the field, that being Holton Aylers, that you have to go out and get the job done with who you have. And I think they trusted Mason Garcia to go out there and give them a good chance of winning, um, and they had a chance to win. Um, you know, and I thought guys, again, like Raji Harris and Keaton Mitchell stepped up. I thought the offensive line stepped up. There was just, Eric, a clear uh, – it, it was clear that um, Mason has lacked the reps with a lot of these other guys, mm-hmm. uh, and it just wasn't there. Again, it comes with timing. But having said all that, they still had chances in the game to make plays and just couldn't quite, quite turn the corner with some big plays there late in the game. Uh, here was Coach Houston on what was a solid defensive effort. And this defense today, again, credit Blake Harrell uh, and the entire staff for having his defensive guys prepared against a tough Navy football team. Because, look, they're experienced too, man. I mean, I know they lost Dalen Morris today, but good quarterback, knows how to run the offense. Um, Carruthers, great running back. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have guys up front 
who've been there, who've played, who have experience. It's a good football team, but this defense played well. Here was Coach Houston on today's defensive effort. Well, I just thought, thought the you know, we've, we've been working on this, you know, a good bit. Now, I talked about earlier in the week, we've been working on this a good bit, you know, all throughout the, uh, the summer and fall. But, you know, you can have as good a plan as you want to, but if they don't go out there and fight the way they did, the plan ain't worth anything. That's the real key to the whole thing is the performance of the players. Yeah, I mean, and that's there's no doubt about that. The guys, again. Xavier uh, had a game. Who's that? Xavier. Oh, Xavier Smith played a fantastic game. I think he had 11 tackles in the first half. Uh, junior inside linebacker for ECU. Again, we're seeing guys like Xavier Smith, Aaron Ramsour. Uh, these guys are playing the football. We knew they could play. And they tackled well. They were getting in the backfield. They were making plays. And there were a couple of big runs that Navy broke off that Which, hurt. That's expected, but though. Again, yeah. And Navy did uh, The way Navy played was exactly the way I think everyone watching the game, it's the way that the coaching staff thought Navy would play. They played that, that game today. And I think Coach Houston knew, even late, what this football team is going to try to do if they if they were able to get a lead, which they did, they were going to just try to grind it out and even choose to go for it on fourth down, which I thought going for it on fourth down and scoring that touchdown was a smart call for Navy. I think that that was a big play in the game for them. They don't get that. Um, of course, it changes things, but if you do get it, it really puts ECU mm-hmm, behind mm-hmm. the eight ball. And Neil Matalolo knew, uh, knew that. He did it. They went for it. They got it. Uh, and, and that hurt. That hurt. Uh, Mason Garcia making his first career start today. Uh, tough go, 10 of 20, 104 yards, no touchdowns. He did have 63 yards on the ground on 15 carries. Here was Coach Houston on Mason Garcia's performance. Well, I mean, I think he was confident, period. I mean, he, I, I don't disagree with you one bit. It's just, you know, he – it's different in practice. You get out there and they're throwing live bullets at you. And uh, we, all, we all know he is an extremely talented young man, and he's going to improve with every piece of experience he gets. Um, but, you know, you saw him on those runs. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a grown kid now. Let me ask you this, Eric. Having played the game um, at a level that none of us in this room uh, did, how different is it when you're going up against your guys the entire week? And if you're a true freshman, talk about the difference it is when you're actually playing an opponent on the field on game day. Because you've seen your guys in practice in preseason camp. You kind of figure out some of their tendencies and things, so you can kind of – and I'm sure Garcia's probably looked really good at times in practice. And I'm sure there are times, obviously, he hasn't looked very good. But it's still a much different game when you're playing someone else you haven't seen before, despite what you've seen on film. Right. There's a big difference on game day. Oh, definitely. It's, it's, I would say this. In practice, you're with your boys. You know, there's so many days of practice and reps, hours, film, and you're around these guys. I mean, eventually, you know, me and you can – work on the radio for three years or so, and then I know what you're going to say, you know. And, and so eventually around your guys, you get used to it. You know how they're going to do certain things. And you get into the game, it becomes your test, you know, and everybody's not a good test taker, you know what I mean? So it's like you're studying, 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 and then your test is the game day. And as you get older, the game becomes easier than practice. You know, it's kind of like you get to the point, it's just like, man, I can't wait to get to this game because, you know, practice, it doesn't do anything for you. There's no score. You're not winning. You might outperform somebody in practice, but you're not getting praised for that. Right. You know, the only time you're going to get praised or get put in the newspaper or on TV is on game day. So um, the difference is major, especially for someone at his age, and being young and whatnot, is I don't want to mess up so much that I'm not able to get back in the game down the road, you know. And then, you know, you're going against guys that you don't know. 
you're going against guys that are trying to hurt you a little bit, or not try to hurt you, but potentially don't care if they do land on you, don't care if they push you down on the ground. Mm-hmm. Those little things happen. And then it's just like he's been so successful, or players have been successful. Everybody on a college football team was the man wherever they come from. You're exactly right. They're the that. man wherever you come from. Then you get in a group where there's a bunch of grown men, and then now you're that young pup again. You know, And it's just like – what can I say? What can I do? If I make this mistake, they're going to look at me this way. It's a major difference between practice and a game, especially for a true freshman. I, I don't think that there's another sport out there where a freshman can come in and have a tremendous impact on a team, on a game, on a season, um, like football. I mean, it, it's so hard to do I, I, because the, the game is – there's such a, a tremendous jump, as we talked about earlier, from the high school level mm-hmm. to uh, the Division One level, even in some cases the Division Two level. Um, and it's just it, – it's different for me in basketball. Baseball's different. Basketball, I think you can have that kind of an impact. Yeah. But I'm, I made this point two weeks ago on the show, and I think it rings true – uh, every week, obviously, and you know this, but I said I said that, and I said this to a former ECU coach last week, a friend of mine. We were talking about the season, and I was getting his thoughts on 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 ECU and Holton Aylers and, and things. And I said, you know, football is the one sport where everybody, every single play, has to be on the same page for it to work out, unless you have some superstar, talented guy that is just you know worldly that can make some plays. And some teams do, mm-hmm. but not a lot of teams do. It's rare. Everybody, all 11 guys, have to be clicking on the exact same page every single play, typically for that play to be successful, for that series to be successful, both offensively and defensively. If one guy's off, Kilter, yeah. it, it screws up everything. Exactly. And so it's why it makes this game so hard, especially for younger guys, especially for a guy like Mason Garcia. Um, at the position he's at. the at. position he's you in, know, at the if, quarterback spot. If you're at receiver and or running back, I think you can kind of come in as a freshman and, and do something. But at quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, yeah. man, that's a, that's a different story. It is. It is. You, you just don't see true freshmen coming in very often now in college football. And one starting, two having a huge impact. Typically they sit for at least a year. They might get in in a few games mm-hmm. here and there. But uh, it's, it's very difficult. So uh, Mason Garcia was put into a very difficult situation today. I think it's one he embraced. I think it's one he wanted. I think it's one that some fans maybe wanted to see because we've heard so much talk about how good the guy is mm-hmm. and, and how good of an arm he has. And he, he does. He has the tools to be a great quarterback. But listen, having the tools, you can be and – and I thought about this this afternoon watching him play. I think right now he throws just as good of a ball as Holton Aylers does. But there's a difference in throwing a good ball and being a good passer. Yeah. They're two totally different things. <laughs> yeah. Holton Aylers is a much better passer of yeah. the football right now than Mason Garcia. And what I mean by throwing a good ball, I mean he, he threw a rope on an out uh, to Amatosha one time. It was we're not right on the numbers. He threw a great ball late in the game with C.J. Johnson. He can get the football down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, but I can throw the football, you know, but – I'm not a great passer of the football, right. or I should say, I wasn't a great passer of the football. <laughs> um, they're just two different things, man. Because you, the, the accuracy has to—you have to know when your players come out of breaks, yeah. uh, where to put it, when to put it, where you have to put it. And that's and Holton has that because he's three years in now. Yeah, Garcia doesn't have it yet. Yeah, because in in high school you can go back and say you know you had some 
really talented receivers or whatever the case may be, you know, deep balls, post routes. I mean, I've watched Mason's tape, a lot of deep balls and posts and goes and things of that nature. Now you're taught, they're telling you there's people that are bigger that are coming to try to knock your head off. Yeah. <laughs> the stakes are, 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 are higher because you're in college football now, and I'm telling you to throw the ball in a window. And yeah. you don't see them there yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? That trust that you got to have that what, that your guy is going to all of a sudden pop into this window and catch the ball you threw to nothing. You know, that's a major thing, you know. And then people being able to hide zones and, and go from man to a zone and come from man, you know, and go from a zone and go back to man or shift and come down and come up. All of the language that's going on in the field in high school, it didn't happen. You called your play. You ran your play. And, and the same thing that Mason Garcia dealt with in high school, Holton English dealt with too, because they, they were kind of a man amongst boys. Yeah. They were so much bizar- bigger physically than what their opponents yeah. were. And, and I saw Holton play numerous times, and there was nobody that he faced that was a better athlete, I think, really, at any position on the field. Certainly uh, in his junior and senior year, he just made guys look silly because he was so much bigger and better than yeah. what they were. Then you get to the, the you know, ECU, and it's a different story. Yeah. He had to learn, too. Mm-hmm. He had to mm-hmm. learn, too, and he has gotten so much better. So, to your point, Garcia, I think we'll get to that point, but he was that same way, too. I mean, he, they didn't face they didn't face good defense in it, high and school. Most teams in eastern North Carolina, their body type is playing offensive tackle. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's or defensive end, defensive tackle. That's what they're playing. Yeah. And that's just – it is what it is. I mean, it's probably the first time you get a group where it's just like, oh, I got all 300-pound offensive linemen. I got a running back that's really strong. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, really new to these guys. So, you know, it, the fact that he survived, made it through, and it was only a four-point difference, you have to see the positivity in that. And, sure. it, and, and I mean, he still took the snaps, had to hand the ball off. He had to call the play in the huddle, whatever the case may be, however they call it. He had to make sure he managed. I mean, he did a 49ers Alex Smith. You know what I mean? So that's pretty yeah. much what he did. I mean, didn't put up great numbers, but kept us in the game. And those few mistakes that we're not afforded to have yet, they happen. So that's what happens when, you know, we're not ready to be that team where we can erase those mistakes. we got to try to be as perfect as possible. That's why it's so hard for me to sit there and look at a guy's film in high school in his senior, junior, senior season, and if he threw for, you know, 7,000 yards or whatever it may be for either season and, you know, 50 touchdowns, that's great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But you have to consider, too, when you have a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", like Mason Garcia, 6'3", 6'4", like Holton Aylers, playing against the defenses they're playing against, they're likely going to put those numbers up. They're, they're that much better. It's hard for me to put that much stock into a, a guy who's a three-star, four-star guy, seeing him on video. I don't care how good you are. It, there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve that is either going to set you back a little bit and make you realize maybe I'm not quite as good as I thought I was, <laughs> and I need to get a heck of a lot better to compete at this level. You know, and, and it's hard for those guys, especially, as you said, at the quarterback spot to come in and just to be able to take over a football team and to expect to be the man because, let me tell you what, it ain't happening. It's not happening, it's not happening, it's happening not here, happening. and it's not going to happen at the next level, too. And Sydney, in those big schools, uh, the Clemsons and the Alabamas and things like that, the tools around those quarterbacks that come in and start as true freshmen allow them to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? You, you sit there and say Trevor Lawrence comes in, he can – what is the ETN? Yeah, Travis uh, ETN. Okay, let me give him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then I got this receiver that's over here running a four-two, four-three. Let me just throw it as far as I can. He's going to run underneath it. Yeah. And then they start to learn the game. Yep. And then you start figuring out how to learn the game, and you get this time, and you get this trust in the players around you. You know, we're still trying to figure out our best eleven. Yeah. You know what You're I right. mean? We can go, and, and I'm, I'm not downing my university by any means, but you go and take the two deep at at a Clemson and can replace everybody on our field. 
Yeah, there's a I chance mean, of doing that. Like yeah. you literally say, "Let me borrow your eleven. I'm gonna give you mine. Our eleven is gonna go be their third string, and their eleven, their second string is gonna come be our first string." That's just what it is. No, I not. Mean, it's reality right now. I, I mean, mean, it is. And and until we can get to that point, we're just building. And what's going to happen? We're going to have that diamond in the rough that pops up. That Chris Johnson, mm-hmm. that Dwayne Harris, that Andre Allison. Those guys are going to pop up, and all of a sudden, you're going to have new stars. You're going to have these household names. I mean, Xavier Smith is a player that I will watch every single game for the rest of the season because I love the way he plays. Yep. And you really can't name a defensive player that was legitimately a household name. I mean, Harvey became one because he started getting those sacks, but we were still losing. But who can you talk about even well, though we don't have a winning I record? I made that point, too, when I, was, I mentioned I was talking to, that, to a coach last week. I said, can you recall a time where ECU has had that defensive playmaker that can get into a backfield, that can disrupt the running game, that can come off the edge like a Patrick Johnson came from Tulane, who I saw play last night, who I think is phenomenal. Uh, ECU hasn't had that guy where other teams look at and go, we have to game plan for that guy on the defensive side of the football for ECU. Mm-hmm. It's been a while for that. I, I, I told the guy I was talking to, I said, you know, the last real run stop we've had in the middle, maybe it was Terry Williams, big guy up front who could mm-hmm. disrupt some things. Um, but even so, we haven't had a guy on the edge, man, uh, maybe, okay. since, maybe since your days that can go back there and make plays, that can get sacks, that can, that can bat balls down. We just haven't seen it. Montes Overton did it some, I think. Um, Kendall Futrell did it some. You got you to gotta go back to the Scotty Robinsons, Marcus Hans, yeah, yeah, I mean, Linville Joseph, Jay Ross. You got to go back to that group, Quentin Cotton. You got to go literally to go back and say, man, we got five guys yeah, that are that legit. That, you know what I mean? That it's been play. a while. And then even in that time frame when it came back, if you go back to Steve Logan, those guys were like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, across yeah. the D-tackles. Yeah. You know I mean? Domain Duckett's and uh, Jawan Blairs and things like that. Those guys were huge. So we were able to make our linebackers fly around where you had the Yelvertons and the the John Williamsons and all those making these plays, the Pernell Griffins and stuff. I don't remember names being as popular as a Pernell or, 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 I mean, man, this is hard. I mean, Quentin Cotton and Jay Ross and those guys, it's, it's been a while since we've had that, and hopefully we can get back to that. And Xavier Smith is really showing it, showing us something. But that last defensive lineman that was just like, man, we got to run the opposite direction. We check the play if he's lined up in the three, or we need to do this, or these different things. So it, it's been a while, so hopefully we can develop that. But having said that, like what I'm seeing from guys like Warren Saber, um, I, I, you know, Aaron Ramsour, playing better football, playing up to the ability we thought he could play at. Xavier Smith, we mentioned, um, saw Chris Willis have a good game today, the Appalachian State transfer. So they're guys that are showing some promise. Um, they might not be the household names that we were just talking about and may not be. But, you know, right now we don't need that. We just need to put the best 11 on the field to get the job done on that side and, and offensively too. We'll take another time out here come back. Uh, we'll hear a few, more, uh, sound, a few more bites from Coach Houston. We'll hear from uh, Xavier Smith, the aforementioned Xavier Smith, and Raji Harris as we put the, the finishing touches on the no-quarter postgame show here on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Hi, welcome back to the No Quarter Post Game Show, 94.3 The Game. Eric Graham, I'm Trent McGee, Derek Alcorn producing today's show. Focus and Ron Smith in as well. We appreciate uh, those guys getting uh, today's audio from head coach Mike Houston. And uh, we have a few more bites we're going to play from him after today's game. And um, Derek, if you can go ahead and line up cut 10. Uh, we mentioned, we talked about all the guys, uh, the, the true freshmen that played for the Pirates this season. Uh, seven first-time starters 
playing for ECU in 2020. All freshman backfield today, true freshman quarterback today. So uh, they're growing pains with that. Here was head coach Mike Houston talking about the freshman performance in today's game. Well, I think I think number one, you know, this experience is invaluable for them uh, because it's you know it's a lot different out there than it is in high school. Um, you know, they're going to make some mistakes, but I'll tell you, they don't make they don't make as many as some freshmen do. I've been very pleased with the way they've executed, uh, and when they do make a mistake, they're tough enough to be corrected. You know, they don't go pout, they don't go in the tank. You know, they're tough-minded kids, so uh, they they're able to handle coaching, and that's the reason they're going to improve. We talked all show long about the play of Xavier Smith, junior inside linebacker out of Stafford, Virginia. Great football game today, perhaps his best football game, certainly as a Pirate. 15 total tackles, three solo tackles today. He was all over the field playing great, as did the entire defense. Here was cut 17, Derek. Xavier Smith talking about uh, the defense this year compared to last year's defense. I think this year, you know, the guys on this team, the guys in the locker room, you know, we all surround each other. You know, we all support each other. And the group that was on the field today, all we do is go out there and just fight, just do our job and just keep fighting. And that's all we can do. Eric, the fan participation today, you know, I don't know if it makes much of a difference. I want to think that it does. It did not look like there may have been 3,500 fans there. Of course, on stadiums in, in North Carolina can only have up to 7% capacity. For Dowdy Ficklin, that's roughly 3,500 fans. Didn't appear to be that many. I don't, I don't know. I didn't see a lot of crowd shots today, and I was not there uh, present at the game. Uh, so I felt like late in the game, maybe when Navy had the football uh, on a couple of uh, third and short, fourth and short plays, maybe a, a loud, raucous crowd may have played a factor. Again, don't know uh, for sure, but I think having a fan base for the players, I think it helps. I, I, I think it's, it's good for the guys. It's good for the mojo. It's good for the confidence of your football team, especially when you make big plays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have that today. Here was Xavier Smith, 20, Derek. I uh, cut 20. Uh, on, though, having – an increased fan presence in Dowdy Fickle. Um, just like the UCF game, you know, the fans, you know, they're there. But my focus is on the guys on the team, you know, the guys that's on the field. That's where my energy comes from. Like, just because we're all so close, like, we all making plays, like, just the love and support that those guys on this team give you. Like, even without the play, like, just our support system and the way we all rally around each other, that's what motivates me. And I feel like a lot of the guys, too. But we still love the fans. I don't want to take away from the fans not being there. Yeah, I like hearing that. I mean, I like hearing that, uh, you know, it's your play on the field that motivates you and gets you, and gets you going for the next play uh, and plays to come. Um, and so, uh, you know, fan participation, I mean, what did that do do for you? What, what do you hear? I mean, I know this is kind of a, a – people probably can, can imagine that players don't hear what's going on around them. Talk to us. Do you, do you hear it when it gets really, really loud? I mean, think back to your playing days. Um, how much of an impact does that have on an opposing team coming into Dowdy Fickle? It, 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 as an opposing team, I can tell you, it, one of my funniest experiences was playing Tulsa. I was the player that was put in the book as a key player to watch. And that student section, they probably disrespected my mom and dad so much. <laughs> you See, know? And, you, and you heard it. Obviously. They were right behind me. Like, so you hear that when you come off the field. You know, it was they had like chants made directly towards me this over and over again. Going to West Virginia, they threw batteries at us. Uh, going to this, this Southern Miss, they're right behind you. You know, these places, they're, they're on you. But when you're actually in the game, you really don't hear the crowd. There's something different, but it's not like you can – 
make it out to be the crowd, you know, because right. you're you're listening for your calls and to make these changes. So you kind of learn to block out things. I need to hear what the center says. Who's the mic and who are we working towards? Who we're working to? Did he switch to play? You know what I mean? That's what you're focusing on. So there's you can tell there's a crowd there, but you can't necessarily. It's hard to explain unless you experience it. You can tell that they're there, but it doesn't sound like noise. It's just like there's something around me. I don't necessarily know what it is, but I can feel something, you know. And, I mean, we experienced down in Miami. We're in the horseshoe. And this is when they had Jonathan Vilma, Sean Taylor. Uh, this team was loaded in 03, you know. And we're in the horseshoe, and that fan base was loud the entire game. And coming out of that end zone, we had to hold hands. And whenever the center let go of the guard's hand, he let go of my hand. That's when we knew to move because yeah. we really couldn't hear our quarterback. And it's just like this is not a noise where you can make a distinct – it's hard to really explain. I mean, it's a, it, there's something there, and you can feel it, but you don't necessarily say you hear it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it depends on the venue. I think it depends on the team. Um, I, I think it takes 50,000 strong at a 50,000-seat stadium to really have a huge impact, and, and some may disagree with me on that. But, um, you know, I, I've heard it get really, really loud. Yeah. And I've seen other places across college football uh, that I've thought, man, I mean, this place is – Virginia Tech mm-hmm. can get rocking. And so I've always wondered, you know, what is uh, the opposing player here? What's a quarterback? I mean, is that really going to affect them with their cadence, um, with, with them picking up a third and short, fourth and short, or not? You know, it just seems like at times it can be. I don't think all the time, but I think in certain situations every now and then, fans can have a factor. I w- they do. And especially, I'd probably say at the quarterback position, it probably can affect them more because the quarterback is telling us what to do to a certain extent so the louder it gets the louder he's yelling and guess what we're not turning around saying hey i heard you you know what i mean you just got to say i hope he heard me right and that's just the right Right. way you know what i mean and so it it gets to the point so it does at certain positions it would definitely affect wide receivers no you know uh defensive backs no but in the trenches where all of these calls are being made there's not a hand signal that i'm telling my guard i'm not turning around showing some type of sneaky hand signal that I'm giving to my guy beside me on offensive line. That doesn't happen. But quarterbacks and receivers and things of that nature, yeah, absolutely. I I would say it definitely affects them. Uh, Let's go ahead and take our last time out here on the show, and we'll come back, get you ready for uh, action in two weeks when the Pirates go on the road to take on Tulsa as they uh, have a Friday, a Halloween Eve game, a Friday night game, the first of two Friday night games for the Pirates coming up. In two weeks, information on that, and we'll wrap up this new quarter post game show right after this. Eric Graham, Trent McGee, thanks to Derek Alcorn for producing today's show. Philip Filkington, Ron Smith, thank you guys as well. ECU's back in action on October 30th for a nine o'clock kickoff at Tulsa. So it's going to be a late start for the Pirates on Halloween Eve and a late edition of the No Quarter Post Game Show on that Friday night. Before we go, Eric, big game tonight. Alabama, Georgia. Who do you have? Georgia. Georgia. I'm taking Bama. Taking Bama. We can't place money on it because we're professionals. We won't do that. He takes Georgia, take Bama. We'll find out tonight coming up at uh, at 7 o'clock. Big game there. Perhaps the biggest game uh, thus far. Of, I mean, it is the biggest game thus far 
of the college football season. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks for our calls this afternoon. And we'll see if the Pirates can get back to their winning ways coming up on October 30th. Before we go, a quick thanks again to our Interbanks Media Pirate Partners, Transportation Impact, Ship Smarter, Spend Less, Caribsey Restaurant, in Emerald Isle, Fish Prime Raw, Moore's Old Time Barbecue. That's good eating right there. And Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color, quality service uh, at, uh, I'm sorry, affordable service salon, perfect style. We'll see you in two weeks here on 94.3 The Game, and we'll begin our coverage on that day with the Pirate Game Day Countdown at what time? 6 a.m., right? 6 p.m. with Patrick Johnson and Terrence Copper, and then the No Quarter Post Game Show to follow. Until then, enjoy your week off. We'll see you next time on the No Quarter Post Game Show.